Welcome to In Search of the Mind of God. We invite you to search with us the mind of God. When searching His Word, we can always be sure of our salvation will not be used on man's ideas or false feelings. It will never be our purpose to promote any denominational doctrine of any religious group. Man is fallible. God is not. This program is brought to you by the Port St. Lucie Church of Christ. We are located at 384 East Midway Road here in White City, Florida. This program contains previous recordings from Joe Wilson, who graduated from this life in 2018. We invite you to join us for worship. Personal Bible study is available, and we propose to know nothing among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Participated, see something that is stated that they may not understand. And because being stated, not understood, they miss the concept of the entirety of the chapter. But when it is translated in a way that you can understand it, it gives you an understanding of conviction that only fortifies your belief that God has sent his son to die for the forgiveness of sin. I've been able to quote this verse of scripture for some 40 years, I imagine. It was one of the easiest things for me to learn to memorize, but it's been one of the hardest things for me to be able to understand. Sometimes it's because of diction, people don't understand things. Sometimes it's because of the way of language by using words in a different place and in a different instance. In the structure of the sentence, we may not understand it. Sometimes it's because of a difference in background. Because in the New Testament church, faith has been a word that we've spent a lot of time involved in discussion. Somebody has translated it, and it didn't help to have this, to me, translated this way. Faith means forsaking all I trust him. Well, that sounded too childish, too simple. Didn't add up to what followed in this chapter of the faithful because all of those who are involved in this chapter expressed something that I didn't think that gave it the dominion and the stature that it needed. It wasn't until being able to read from the Greek translations that I was able to come to a comprehension of what was being discussed here. Faith, yeah, that's what everybody had, but nobody knew what it was. And because of that, it wasn't something that would make it simple. I read the stories of Abel. I read the story of Noah. I read the story of Enoch. And I read the story of Abraham, but I was not able to involve myself in the discussion that I wanted to. Faith, by definition, was the substance of things hoped for. Substance, I thought that was something like concrete or sand or dirt. And therefore, it didn't do me much good. And evidence of things not seen, 
I didn't wonder, but that the fact is the purpose for which I believe some things was based on what I had read and studied. But I want you to, if you haven't, look at the way it's translated in some of the modern translations, but more particularly the way it's stated in the ancient one. Faith is the confidence of that for which we hope. And the conviction that what we have not seen is in reality truth. Now to me that changes the whole complexion of the chapter. Now for the first time, I can see why these examples were given. These people had a confidence in something that they couldn't see. It was not only just a confidence, but it was a conviction that that which they could not see was in fact a reality. There's most of the time that people have faith in something if they can see. Somebody will say, well, I'm going to pay you this coming Friday. Well, you know, seeing's believing. Many of us have cashed that check that was in the mail so many times we've worn out the postal rate. We've run to a situation where we just don't have any confidence in the fact that what the person said was going to be true, nor do we have the conviction in our hearts that when they say it, it will actually take place. But look to using this definition with the story given in three or four of these examples, and I think it'll help you understand a lot of things, and not only that, but be able to carry this across to yours, as well as my, faith and the confidence that we should have in it. Faith is the confidence we thou have an assurance, and it is not ours. It is not that that comes from within ourselves. This assurance, this fact that we have this confidence is based on something and someone else. The fact that it is that which is based upon God and upon his word. We don't have too many trouble looking at and having the reality that this is true. But these people of whom these words are written and the examples that are given had nothing from which they could hope. What was promised them was incredibly ridiculous as uh, opposed to how it could come about. Let's read. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Somebody says today, prove to me in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, if we have faith, we have confidence and assurance that in act and fact, God did do exactly what he said. There's not a question in our mind. It doesn't come about as something we look at as though it could be false or could be partly true or could be altogether true. People today have what they call uh, a, a religion of convenience. And they have what they call theocratic evolution. Theocratic evolution is evolution, they think, that will equate with Old Testament scriptures as well as with reality and science today. 
One of the sad things about science today is that the definition of faith is something that it cannot meet. Now, if faith is what I hope for, if it's what I trust in, if it's what I aspire to think can happen and might have been, you have a definition of what they call today evolution. It's been a long time. It's been a long story. They picked on a poor old boy that was uh, on a boat outside the, the uh, borders of Africa who was riding up and down in his vessel, who was really a scientist of sorts, who was trying to figure out how animals and things reproduced and how they lived. As he did these things, he wrote down something that he didn't believe at all. In fact, he's on record as having not believed. And as he wrote them down, he introduced to the uh, distant uh, individual who didn't want God in his life a reason or an, a, a purpose for believing that God did not create. It is something that you have studied, I'm sure, if you went to school, unfortunately. And today it has replaced the Word of God as a means of teaching the science of reproduction and the science of the creation of things with the Word of God. Today in American and particularly Floridian schools, it is against the law to teach that God created the heavens and the earth. But it is according to the law that man came about because of an, a big explosion or a big occurrence that he had nothing to do with, and that because of this, we all began some hundred billion trillion, oh, you know, they come up with some numbers that nobody could believe or understand. And they think that because of all of those years and the uh, expansions and the heat and the contraction and the water and the vapor, through the Big Bang Theory, if for no other theory, that the world was broken off of a, in a big hunk of mass as a fiery rock or stone, and that through billions of years it cooled down. And as it was cooling down, then all of a sudden there was moisture and water occurred. And then all of a sudden in that moisture, well, water and moisture, there occurred a life-giving mechanism or a life-giving thing. In this life-giving thing, which only had one sex, and that was male, it came up on the shores of the sea of land, and as it laid there on the shore of the sea of land for a hundred thousand or a million or a hundred million, you know, they just throw numbers around because they got plenty of them to use. But as all of it laid there, and you know, this is what they call science. Now, the word science, by definition, when I went to school, meant to know. The person who was a scientist was the person who was determining that he had to or she had to find out just what actually did happen. And so they came up with this theory of evolution that it laid there for a hundred or two hundred million or five hundred billion. Oh, they just come up with all numbers. And as it laid there, it all of a sudden one day just kind of woke up and duplicated itself and as it duplicated itself that which came into existence was the opposite sex 
Now, how it laid there for that hundred billion years and figured out that it wasn't the right sex or it needed one of the opposite sex so it could reproduce and then make, you know, this is an amazing story that nobody ever tells. But it then duplicated itself and then began the chain of evolving. Evolving from one species to another. And as it evolved from one species to another, all of a sudden, some hundred billion, three hundred billion, you name it, they got all the years they can play with. All this period of time, then one day it became an ape. And then the next evolution became a man. And now we have what we have on the earth, and that is their explanation for telling us how we came to be. Does that define itself in the word science? Absolutely not. In fact, in the annals of history, there has nobody that's ever believed this kind of jargon until the 18th century, and at least written, written and in print. But until then, man believed that God created the heavens and the earth, just like the scriptures say. But they put back on us the fact that this was faith, that it was something you couldn't see, that it was just like a cane that you were walking on. It was somebody to help those who were helpless. And then they gave us their story and asked us to have an incredible amount more of faith than there was ever available when it came to the study of the Word of God. Faith is the confidence. Now, if you don't have any confidence, you go to look for something else. And when you don't have faith, you have what is called a non-faith or no confidence in that for which you hope to be true. And when you have no confidence in that for which you hope to be true, what do you have? You have a spiraling ex of what has been given by mankind as the means to try to determine what really is. But look at the third verse again. Through faith, through the confidence of this that we hope, it then gave us a conviction. Why can we have a conviction? Well, the word conviction means with power and force as a truth. We who are children of God don't ever contend with the words of the God of heaven. We are of those who are under conviction. That is, we believe what God has said just because God said it. And because he said it, we know that it to be true. But they who are a part of these theories that they talk about called evolution, and there's so many, I'm not going to mention the name of one particular one, because he who started it has been, that's been split off to hundreds of more. But that from which their conviction arises comes from things that they don't even have as a reality. They found the other day the missing link. Now, in evolution, they have to have links from one species to another. These links are those things that cause it to have the incredible idea that because of uh, life and death and reproduction, there is some tie 
from one type of species to another. Species is another word we have to understand. A species is a type of an individual animal. It is that which has something that can reproduce exactly the same thing as it is. But some way in their concept of species reproduction, the species began to be alienated or changed. And when it was changed, and they don't know why, they think it might have been because of climate conditions. It might have been because of uh, the destruction of what preceded it. But when this species changed, what came about was something new. Now, this thing that was new was a new type of species or a new type of animal. And this animal, by gradation, and by gradation they mean it changed in a period of time that went over a small amount of change and then another small amount of change and then another small amount of change. Through this gradation, there was a new kind of species that came and this happened billions and billions and billions of years at a time in that, that something which wound up on the slimy shores of a heated bed of water that was laying on the shore for like billions of years, all of a sudden intelligence tells us, science teaches us, the geniuses of the world believe that one day that became a human being. I was in school a few years ago. You may not tell I've been there, but I have. It may not have rubbed off on me too much. And there was a professor that was standing up teaching this. It was a female. And so after she got through her explanation of evolution, I raised my hand. I said, uh, ma'am, do you have a watch? She said, yeah. Is the class too long? I said, no, the class is not too long. I just want to know you have a watch. She said, yeah, I've got a watch. Why? I said, let's take it out and put it in the sand. I want to see what it makes in 100 billion years. I want to see how the technical apparatus that causes this mechanism inside to determine time and movement can come about by chance. I want to find out if it could come about because it was just there by luck. Or if I said, can I ask you another question? She said, I don't think that I'm being comfortable with the questions you ask me. I said, I appreciate that, but you're teaching me as a scientist, as a professor, something that you expect me to believe, and I think I have the right to ask the question. Can you define for me science? Because she kept saying, well, maybe or perhaps, or we think and we understand, or it's been told us and we believe. I said, uh, what is your definition of science? She said, science means to know. I said, does what you have and what you have told me, can that be reproduced under controlled circumstances in a laboratory so that we can for one time and forever have evidence? Because I said, what you've talked about was an aspiration. It's what you've been taught to tell us. It's what your scientific body has come up with to cause us to have confidence that we're here for reasons we know not. 
And then I asked her one more question. Since she couldn't find any place where this could be reproduced, and, and by the way, they never have, there is nothing that shows us that there's even a gradation of species, that that actually can take place. There has never been in anthropology, digging in the earth, checking out anything that's ever been, where there is a gradation. I know that uh, we had some men that they named which were proofs of this gradation of species that have been quite, uh, quite historically famous. There was the Java man. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Java man. There's the, the Java man was a part of the Neanderthal man. And the Neanderthal man was that which came before or after the Ice Age. And, oh, they just, then listen, man, if somebody had stayed up at night to figure this stuff out and write these stories, they'd do just as good a job as they would if they worked for Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. But the idea is there were all these existing. The only problem was... The Java man, if I'm not mistaken and don't misremember, was supposed to have been found in France. And they dug up the, this Java man's uh, bones and they took it out and they reproduced it. And sure enough, he had the physical characteristics of an ape. And they announced it to the world. And they had come up with a theory called carbon dating. I don't know if you know anything about carbon dating or not. But this carbon dating was something that came about this way. They could scientifically look at an item and determine how much carbon was in that item and then see the depletion of that carbon and tell you then how old something was by the amount of depletion in that item. And when they could tell the amount of depletion, they could set the number of years that it would take to deplete in that manner under those circumstances which they would control. And then they'd tell you how old something was. So they'd take a bone or a piece of this or that or the other, and they would give it to a carbon dating process. And when they do that, they'd come up with a date. It was 500 years old. It was 5,000 years old. It was 5 million years old. It was 500 million years old. And so they kept on, and, they and so people had no way to determine that that wasn't true because they controlled the science, they controlled the, the definition, and they controlled the understanding. And friend, if you're going to have a debate, and you can put the definitions in the uh, debate, tenets that are signed by those who are going to be a part of that debate, when you put the doctrine in the debate uh, program, you can about prove anything you want to, but when it's based on actual research and actual study, you can't. Oh, the Java man, it wasn't too many years ago that they found out who the Java man was. It was somebody that actually died in about 1834 and was buried yeah, and this Java man who was supposed to have been back around uh, uh, 100 million years ago had a son. And this son one day went back to visit his father's grave. And when he went back to visit his father's grave, he found out that his daddy had been dug up. And that instead of, and he, re, he gave us a picture, and instead of this man's daddy looking like a monkey or an ape, he looked like a human being. 
Of course, he sued them, and now he doesn't have to work for a living, but uh, they were glad to dismiss the Java man, the Neanderthal man. Then you got this man, you got that man. The thing of it is, they had used all this scientific information to come up with what they claimed was knowledge. And then they are against the truth that we study in the Word of God called faith. You see, we first of all, say that we can't see, that we don't know. But we have confidence in he who has stated these things as being accurate and true. And because we have the confidence in what he has said and written it down, we are convinced, we have conviction. We know that since he has never lied and has never been caught on the short end of an argument, and has never, ever given us an allusion to something that was true that wasn't, why would he ever cause us to have anything but truth in anything that he ever said? So by faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now watch this. God's not sneaky, but God is God. If I can make a watch out of parts that no longer exist, and I am made to reproduce that watch, and if those parts no longer exist, can I reproduce that watch? Even if I could go to the place to try to have a controlled reproduction, if the parts I was listening the other night watching TV I didn't know this because it's something that I'd never studied just before the end of World War II the Germans produced a stealth fighter now maybe you don't know this either but it was on TV if it's a lie they told it and showed pictures and all that and it's a big deal this stealth fighter, believe it or not, looked like the one that we actually have flying in the air today. Of all the most ridiculous things that I would have never thought of, it was made of wood. Had a gigantic wingspan, and the way it was designed and the way that it was shielded from being able to have radar pick up its existence was the means by which they covered this wood and made it possible for the signals to be sent back and therefore be discovered. I'd never heard of such a thing, but there it was. They showed where the Germans, and there were two young scientists that had actually gone to the scientific uh, genius that Hitler had over the project. There they had it. There they showed it. It actually flew. And the guy that flew it was one who made many successful flights. This reality is an awakening thing because after all, what is supposed to be a modern-day development turns out to have been something that had Hitler had a few more years and had a little more sense. 
he probably could have taken this and destroyed Great Britain because the reason he didn't win the battle over Britain is because his ships could be, his planes could be picked up when they left Germany by radar. But what if he'd have had something that couldn't have been detected but for the last 15 seconds or 15 minutes in flight? Then they also show that are showed on this picture that this thing was reproduced. Now they did exactly what we've asked them to do as far as evolution and Darwin and the Darwinian theory, which it's supposed to be about, uh, produces. They went to and have actually reproduced this wooden plane that was built and designed implicitly and exactly as was defined in the documents that they found and have made another one of these things and they built it here in Florida. Now they had to fly it, test it, make sure it would work. It went beyond what they thought it would and uh, has proven to be a complete success. But why can't they do what they thought Darwin was telling them or what the scientists are telling us? Why can't they reproduce and get us a monkey or an ape or some animal like that that came from some common ancestral existence and in a scientific measured experiment controlled by the scientist, reproduce a human being. And I asked the lady, I said, has that ever been done? Of course, I didn't give her the idea about this stealth fighter because I didn't know it at the time. But same question, same arguments. She asked me if I'd see her after class. After class, I went to see her and she said, I too am a Christian. I don't want to teach this, but this is what I am paid to teach. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't teach a lie if they, even if they paid me to teach it. I would explain that this is something that the scientists have and have been written in the book, but it's not something I believe at all. But anyway, the thing that was involved was that what cannot be reproduced cannot be stated. Now somebody says, well, can you show that God is doing the same thing today? And act in fact, we can. You see... One of the great theories of science has been true and has been proven in that it can be and can be shown that there is a creation of worlds going on at this very moment. For something to be, there has to be an origin. There has to be a place of beginning. Now, in all of science, and they'll tell you this as you read and study, they will tell you that they believe in an origin or a place of beginning. And that if that is true, and we're out here on the zillionth, if there is such a thing, year of that type of existence, all we have to do in order to prove it is to go back to the original place of beginning. And if we can get back to the original place of beginning, we have one question. Who began that? 
Now, you can talk about rocks. You can talk about mass. You can talk about solar systems. You can talk about whatever you want to. There's only one question you always have to ask. Where did the solar system come from? Where did the rocks emanate from? What caused them to pass each other in the sky? Or what caused this to all begin to start with? There has to be a place of beginning. There has to be an original. Or what we call, or what they call, and they come up with new terms, first cause. Now I'm going to show you that this proves the credibility of faith in the Word of God here in just a few minutes, but I'm going to use their arguments to show so. When there is a first cause, there has to be something, someone, or some being that was the first cause. Now, the first cause has to be able to produce life. When this life is produced, it has to be defined by the origin of the first cause. Who began these things? Now, the only thing that is ever touted as far as or is told as far as the Word of God is concerned is that God created in him was life. And the life was the light of men. There is nothing that tells you that there's anything else but that. And then, and I'll make this clo uh, quicker than I was going to, but then there's another thing. Since we've evolved from orangutans to communists, and I almost believe that that might be something that we could argue, but since we've evolved to that place, how many years has the history of man been written down? They tell us some 10,000 years. That's not a long period of time when you've got 10, 100 million, zillion, billion to play with. But it's still a period of time. In this period of time, have we seen anything that has come into existence that is post man or after man or is there some development called something else that is beyond the common species called man now we got some movies out today and these movies are these who are freaks of nature and they got special powers man one of them can fly the other one can elevate one of them have swords growing out his fingernails well, they got a whole news, and they're selling this, believe it or not, they're selling this through these movies to our kids, that there actually is a post-man creation. Only problem is, have you seen one? Can they create one exactly in the same fashion? Was it a freak of accident, or was it just the luck of the draw? But the point is, they're still producing this theory. But if man has been man ever since man has been recording, and since man has ever been heard of, why is it if evolution is true, there's not something that is superior to man? You know, I would think, maybe I'm wrong, but you think along with me the way you want to. I would think that there should be something between, by now, Man and angels. How about that? Don't you know or don't you believe or have you ever considered that angels are a higher order as far as abilities, limitations, and comprehension? 
Anything I've read about angels is if they had wings, they could fly. Well, man decided he was going to do him some wing business. That's the reason we have planes. And if he can fly, then is it that that's post-man, or is it just a creation of the intellect that God gave man when he put him here on the earth that he could reproduce things, or not reproduce, but produce and if it hadn't been for God and with the elements that he put here that this could be produced, where would they have gotten these? Now today they're trying to, here's the biggie, clone. Yeah, they're trying to clone because they want to be God. Yeah, if they can make a sheep or if they can make a human, how could they make one? Now, you see, I have to take a position that because of an unscientific background might not be respected in a scientific community, but I don't believe that they can ever make or clone a man. Because, you see, if you clone or make a man, you have to have cooperation by God. Because a man is composed of not just a body, but a soul. You seen anybody that's trying to develop souls? Or this soul houses a spirit. Man, we use electricity. We're sitting here tonight cool and comfortable in this auditorium because of electricity. What color is electricity? Explain to me all the tenants that we have. We have used electricity in this country now for over a hundred years and we've never seen it, yet we say it exists. The only time I've ever seen electricity is when I put uh, uh, something in a light socket and I see fire come back out of it. Is that fire electricity? Well, they say that's the result of an electrical current flowing through that. I say, you mean, you have you ever seen an electrical current? No, but we can see the evidence of the fact that it's there by what it does. Now, wait a minute, you're getting real close to belief in God. Because if you want to show me something by the evidence of what is done, and I can show you that there's new planets being created in the solar systems far beyond the magnitude of our comprehension, even yet today, because you see, the idea of the creation of God is that it ever increases and stretches out in boundaries beyond that that we have. And they tell us that there's new solar systems and new planets and new th being brought into existence every day. Well, you got some rocks coming by some other places and they're getting heat and they've dried out and now all of a sudden they had an amoeba and we've had enough. I mean, come on, folks. And now we want space travel because we want to go out there and prove that this is true. Now, did they tell you they found a little water on Mars the other day? They found a squirrel, hot dog. How'd they know it was a squirrel? Saw a bushy tail. Oh, they saw a bushy tail, and it looked like a squirrel. Now, you know, now the Martians might be irritated about that. Somebody says, well, that's my young, and how do you know it looks like you? Well, it's not mine at all. It's the guy's next door. Well, now, you know, you might be insulted for somebody to tell you something looks like you if it's not yours, right? I mean, the Martians may have something to say about that, but the idea is... Here, see, all of this thing gets... Now, this is what they've used to make fun of faith. And now, 
what we use is their incredible insistence on defining what they teach as science based on something that is not even equivalent to or has the dignity to be defined as faith which produces their religion. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Oh, we've not even talked about the aspirations of heaven. We've not even talked about the blessedness of being with God for eternity. We've not even begun to develop the fact that there could be forgiveness of sin because of the blood of Christ. And that faith is also the conviction of what we haven't seen. We partook of the Lord's Supper tonight. As as we partook of the Lord's Supper, we took unleavened bread and grape juice. We never saw Jesus hanging on the cross. Yet those who have faith have as much assurance and confidence in that reality as they do that they're sitting on a pew being cooled by electricity, which they've not seen, made comfortable on a, in foam, and able to think and contend for the Word of God by faith. Now, faith has to always produce. Faith produces something. It produces an action or a reaction. And you can see that what they produced is a non-entity that in, would be thought of as insanity. But in the word of God, what it produced were acts of obedience. People obeyed because they had faith. They did what they did because they believed that whoever told them to do it had the power to enforce his will. They had confidence and hope and conviction and state of mind. So that's where Paul starts here in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered. Why did he offer faith? What caused him to offer belief that God is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Of all the years that I debated when I was in school and had fun going around in all these debates and talking with people about evolution and being the after-dinner speaker, which I always enjoyed to get the opportunity to do because then you could talk about any subject you wanted to. I don't know. They probably have got that stymied down to where you can't. I would stand up and produce or try to give some kind of a concept of a message like I am telling you this evening. And as I would stand there, I could see these people writhe in pain and anguish. It reminded me of going to a place where they had false doctrine that was taught and stand up there preaching the truth. And you could see these people who weren't about to believe the word of God, weren't about to have any honesty in their minds, would sit there and see them writhe in pain and anguish as you would preach the truth. I, I had, and this is just a little story, I had a, a speech class I'll never forget, and the professor got up and made mention of the fact that the way I'm going to give you a grade in this class is by the reaction of your speech on our audience. 
Well, I'd been preaching the gospel for four or five years, and so that wasn't a problem for me to be in the speech class because it was one of those A's I'd already written down because I kind of figured I could get by. I didn't stand up there with my knees knocking, and, and I didn't uh, double uh, trip over my tongue. and all, so, But that wasn't the point. If they wanted to give me a grade based on the reaction to the speech, I looked around. I saw these old gals that didn't wear makeup. I knew what they believed. I heard some of these men get up and tell them about their Baptist doctrine. I knew what they believed. I got some of them that said that they could have this, that. And so what I did was get up and in my speech talk about the way that is right and cannot be wrong. Did not allow any holes to bar me. And I spoke for about 15 minutes, and these people that were there, and he didn't say I couldn't speak on a religious subject, but those people that were there were in pain and agony because I was up there destroying their religion by the Word of God. After my little speech was over and the questions began to be, this old boy looked at me after about 10 minutes, and he said, well, Mr. Wilson, I can tell you right now, just based on the premise that I had about a successful speech, you have an A. I've never seen a bunch as worked up as you have these. Well, you ought to get in a scientific community where it is already accepted that there is no God and then challenge their so-called science to produce their faith and a book that will sustain it. I came to find out over the years as I was studying that most of these people that were there did not want to disquiet the concept of God because of religion, but because of moral destruction. You see, they didn't want somebody to tell them what to do. They didn't want a God that told them what they could or could not do legally, morally, mentally, or in other sense. And so what they had to do was destroy that God. And when you destroy that God, you destroy that morality. One of the questions I always like to ask was, give me the moral code of an orangutan. Did you know that there's some animals that have a higher standard of being man and wife than humans have in the animal world? I wanted to get somebody to write down the code of Hammurabi for the orangutans. Then I wanted to find out if it went for the orangutans, why it didn't go with the apes of Africa in other places or in Asia and wherever you found them. And because morality is something that is never in an animal, I wanted to find out if it wasn't in an animal, what gradation of species was the first one that ever came up with the concept of morality. You know, morality is a real problem to these boys. Well, the story was simply this. What they then were making fun of us for having 
I was showing that they had no credibility such as we because I could still produce the fact that God is still creating. I could show who's doing this. 100 trillion, billion, quadrillion. Hey, maybe we could go to our politicians that they come up with a new number. But who's doing this that is we can't even see, but by the laws of mathematics and everything else, we know that are taking place. And then why is God still creating? That's another question altogether. They can't say it's not going on. And when you go out to the outer rim of that period of creation, then you to produce confidence, you back it up and come down to the period of time to one incident, one point of beginning, one origin. And that's when God created the heavens and the earth. Faith. Faith is conviction. Faith is the confidence that, that it's true. Faith tells you it depends and relies upon he who has never been found to be an error and has always been consistent and consistently the same. And I could just keep going because that's not true of the scientific world. Faith is the confidence for the things hoped and the conviction that things that have not been seen and cannot be seen are true. And I have to admit, I possess that kind of faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he commands a person to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. I do not have confidence in a denominational dogma. I do not have any conviction that some uh, rabbi or some pope or some Presbyterian pastor, preacher, Baptist, evangelist, whatever they want to call them, can usurp the authority of Jesus Christ and people can go to heaven based on that doctrine. I do have that faith. And if you do, and are not a member of the Lord's body, you can come tonight as we stand and sing the hymn of invitation. If you enjoyed today's sermon, read our regularly updated blog for insightful articles by visiting us online at pslchurchofchrist.com. If you would like to watch previous sermons, they can be viewed on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash PSL Church of Christ. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PSL Church of Christ. Or if you prefer to visit us in person to learn more on Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. as well as Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. And you can visit us at 384 East Midway Road next to Walgreens. See you next week.
Yeah. Okay. 